You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. And here we are once again with another edition of our post-sermon podcast. And it seems like every time I bring on a guest, they will not return the next week. I don't have Tom back in here. Warren uh, couldn't get a translator in here to help with his accent from last week. And so I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel today. Yes. I've pulled in Saul Sebus, who is our church administrative pastor. So Saul, hey Marty, thank you for showing up today. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm glad you're here. And uh, I think you've set it up where I won't be back next week anyway. <laughs> okay, well there you have it. I don't know who will be on. Probably we'll have Jacob on next week. We'll talk about that in there just a few moments about why that will take place. But what we do uh, on this podcast, in case you're tuning in for the first time, is we just review the message from the previous Sunday, talk through a few things that we might not have gotten to or things that have come to my mind or Saul probably think things that I could have done better, you know, should have said, shouldn't have said. We don't have to go down that road necessarily. Okay. Mistakes. Some mistakes mm-hmm. I probably Mistakers. made. <laughs> and, uh, and then we just uh, go over that. And so, yeah, so this past week we finished up um, our four-week series on traveling light, where we are just unloading the things that can burden us down. And we finished up uh, looking at confession, confession of our sins. Hmm. Marty, is there something you're wanting to confess? There are probably several things that I need to confess, but some of those I'll just keep between God and myself. Thank you. <laughs> I thank you for that. <laughs> thank you, Father Saul, for giving me the opportunity today. Um, but yeah, so we talked, we, I kicked it off by talking about the difference between how we view sin versus maybe what we would call a mistake. Yeah, I've, exactly. Mistake is, is the term that a lot of people like to use, I think, versus yeah. sin. Why do you think that is? You know, I think it's because it makes them realize that they're a sinner. Yeah. If they use the word sin. Because sin, I defined it as just, it's a, it is a injustice toward God. Yeah. So there's an accountability there that doesn't come along with a mistake. Have you ever made a mistake? Oh, I've made them today and yesterday and I'll make some tomorrow. Really? I promise. Really? Uh, any that you need to share? Any mistakes? Not sins. I don't want to know about your sins. Hmm. You know, Marty, it wasn't long ago when I was pulling into a parking spot <laughs> and I ran into your car. Do you remember that mistake? Oh, I remember it vividly. Uh, every time I walk by that back left fender, yeah. I see the faint. Yeah. Uh, Barry King did all he could to buff that out for yeah. us, but you know, there's just a little bit. I have that reminder on my front bumper. <laughs> oh, do you? Whenever I walk by and I see your white paint. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, sometimes we just say... We'll just move on. Uh, but it is nice to have that little reminder so I can remind you occasionally that you are not perfect. Yeah, I'm a mistaker. You're a mistaker. <laughs> <And> a exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And so uh, as we got into that, we, we just said that mistakers just need to be more careful. Yeah. Hence, you need to uh, be more careful pulling into park. park near you <laughs> ever again. That's why you park in the back of the parking lot when yeah. I'm in the front. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but sinners... They need something more than that. Yeah. They need a savior. 
And so uh, looking at the story of David, David was certainly more than a mistaker. Uh, Like many of us, David was a blatant sinner. But the advantage we have over David is nobody's writing a book about us. Yeah, (laughs) that we know of. No, they're they're not writing. Well, maybe I'm writing one about you. but You may be. What do you call that whenever um, somebody works for a president or someone and they're the memoirs? Yeah. Yeah. The memoirs of Marty. I, I don't Payton. think the memoirs of Marty would sell many copies. I hear they would. But <laughs> maybe else for now. Yeah. Well, hey, I'll buy up all the copies and burn them before anyone can read them. <laughs> okay. Because uh, I've made plenty of mistakes along the way. Few sins here and there as well, um, but four things. Number one, genuinely confess our sins to God. Yeah. Number two, earnestly request God's forgiveness. Number three, desperately seek a heart renewal. And number four, freely share God's forgiveness. Any thoughts on any of those? That as you, I know you listened intently on Sunday. You've listened to it again. Probably wrote pages of notes in your journal. I'm sure. Oh. In your memoirs, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think with that, it's just a humbling of yourself to realize that the things you've done, obviously some are mistakes, but some are definitely sins. And you have to just come to that point of humility and say, Lord, I have messed up in this area. Please forgive me. Uh, please help me not to do that again. Um, so I think I think it's very valid and a great reminder for us uh, that, you know, the Lord knows we're going to sin and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from that unrighteousness. If we confess it to him and repent of it and, you know, try not to do that again and ask for his strength. Why do you think it is so important that we confess our sins? What is it? What does that do for us? Uh, I think from the standpoint of us personally, it, it brings about that realization. It's a, it's a, an admittance of, wow, I really did do that. Yeah. That was against what God wanted me to do. And I chose to go against what he told me not to do. Yeah. And so I think when we do that confession, it's just a reminder to us that wow, we do need a savior. There's no way I can make it on my own. Nothing I could do works wise will ever get me there. It's only by Christ's blood that I can be forgiven. When you you raised three kids like I did, and uh, of course you raised two boys and a girl. I raised two girls and a boy. They fought occasionally. Oh, absolutely. Right. And uh, did you ever like have them apologize to one another? Sure. Absolutely. And and I know you well enough to know the answer to this question, but was it okay with you if they just said, I'm sorry, or did you like for them to get a little bit more specific with their apology? Yeah. I I think when you, with kids, as you know, when you (laughs) tell them to do that, it doesn't necessarily, uh, it's not necessarily genuine. They're doing it because they have to. (laughs) Right. But Yeah specificity is great because then they can acknowledge, Hey, this is what I'm asking. Sorry for, please forgive me. And maybe it makes them more aware of it when they're specific to it. Yeah. And I think when we, uh, when we confess our sins to God and we genuinely ask for forgiveness from him and we specifically call out the sin, even if 
like, you know, my son Lucas was picking on his oldest sister. They seemed to be the ones that fought the most was Lucas and Leanna. Um, even if he wasn't genuinely sorry for what he did, at least there was an acknowledgement to the fact that, hey, hitting your sister um, was was wrong against her. And so there was an acknowledgement to the fact that that he had misbehaved. And I'm sure she never did anything wrong no. to him. You of course know. not. That would be her version of the story. <laughs> Absolutely. She never agged him on or pestered him. She just screamed the loudest, you know. Um, but I think with God, you know, it, it's it's that sometimes we may not feel the weight of our sin until we go to a holy and perfect God, which Sunday, you know, just reminding people that God never turned a blind eye to sin, even though it seemed like when Nathan came to David and called out his sin and David quickly acknowledged his sin and, and asked for forgiveness. And then it was like the next second, Nathan pronounced God's forgiveness. You'll not die because of your sin. And we look at that and we read over it. We go, wow, that was really simple. God must really not hate sin that much, but that's not the case. No. How much does God hate sin? Obviously, um, he hates it enough to send his own son to take that punishment and pay for our sins. Yeah, and the wrath of God had to be poured out somewhere. Yeah. And it was poured out on the cross. And so the beautiful thing about God is that he is uh, faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I used the word Sunday, and anytime you read this verse and you use this word, uh, it's almost like you have to give a theological explanation of the word. Let me guess what word that was. Let me cover my face, but go ahead. Was it propitiation? (laughs) That's it. Propitiation. And uh, that is a fun word to try to pronounce. So as you're driving down your drive or you're driving down the road today in your car, just go ahead right now. Propitiation. Propitiation. Do you propitiation? There you go. That's it. That's it. It's that simple. Um, Why don't you ask Google how to pronounce it too? That's always fun to hear. (laughs) Propitiation. I've never asked, but you use the accent of the, you know, maybe not the. Well, yeah, you can change it up. Change different ones. Australian, British. Yeah. So do you know the definition of that word? Propitiation. I believe it would be the payment that covers. Yeah. It's the satisfaction of God's wrath. And that's what Jesus was. So when we look at the story of David and how easily it seemed like God forgave David and Nathan had pronounced that, we know that it wasn't flippant because at that point, God knew that a long few centuries later, his son was going to satisfy God's wrath upon David's adultery, upon David's murder, upon David's lies and everything that he did wrong, that God was going to satisfy his very own wrath, his very own wrath by pouring out his wrath on his very own son. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, just that story gives us hope, huh? Yeah. A murderer, adulterer, and in essence, we all are. When you look at the commandments and we, what we do in our minds and in our hearts. Um, so, uh, but the, uh, Definitely gives us hope. It definitely gives us hope. And um, the the 
severity of David's sins were more than most people. Most Christians probably won't commit those levels of sin, but yet David is described as a man after God's own heart. Yeah. And so, and I think part of that might've been that he felt the entire weight of his sin. And so he, he had a lifelong journey of pursuing a relationship with God, almost in a, as you mentioned earlier, a humble way that he wanted to just make sure that he didn't go down that route again. You know, he had sinned. He had sinned greatly. And so the sooner you admit your need of a Savior, or, or the sooner you admit you're a sinner in need of a Savior, the sooner you can experience the grace and forgiveness that comes from that Savior. And I'm so thankful for that grace today. Yeah. We all need it. Absolutely. Any other thoughts on that? You know, I think it ties back to what we were talking about with our kids when you force them to confess and how maybe they weren't genuine at that point. But at that point, they were like, oh, I'm busted. Mm -hmm. And it kind of helped with the next time maybe that that same situation came up where they were like, oh, uh, maybe I shouldn't do this. And it was maybe a good deterrent. And in that walk and that journey of to where it becomes real and you are able to humble yourself eventually and be like, I don't ever want to do that again. Mm. Um, Yeah, I think that tied in with that, it really is a great reminder for us uh, to ask for that forgiveness and to want to stay away from the situations that would bring us to the point where we do get busted and need to ask for forgiveness. And what if if there was a prophet... And that was around <laughs> that God just revealed all of your sins to. And at some point along the way, you didn't know if he's going to show up again. Yeah. And, and pronounce your specific sins. Marty, out loud. you are the one, Marty. <laughs> I thought, well, that would be a great deterrent. If you knew that there was somebody out there who had the supernatural prophetic knowledge of every time you sinned and they were going to bring that specifically to your attention. Yeah. I kind of do that in the office quad with our <laughs> coffee machine. If they don't fill up the water. Oh, is that, that is so true. Is that similar? That is so true. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> I could go down another path to say things yeah. that you call people out on, but we won't do that. Don't do that. Oh, if y'all only knew what happened around the offices during the week, um, Good stuff. It's yeah, fun. It's very good. Very good. And I just wanted to take five minutes right here and uh, and and talk through uh, another issue that we that I, I mentioned at the very beginning of the service on Sunday, and that was the the Christians' response to the Supreme Court ruling uh, on Roe versus Wade, and um, you know how faith community, many of us uh, have prayed for many many years for the overturning of that abortion ruling that happened back in, um, was it 1970? I think it was. Yeah. 70, 72. Around there. Yeah. Right in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I was born in 70, so I know it was right around that time because I often thought, man, I'm so glad that my mom yeah. chose life for me, you know, sure. that kind of thing. And so, um, but I, but the more that I've read and the more people that I've talked to, the more I realized that there are people who actually, that ruling elicited fear in them. Right. And it, it was a gut punch mm-hmm. for, for a lot of people in our community, uh, in our country. And so as Christians, 
it's um I was telling I was telling my family about this uh Sunday afternoon. I said I saw I saw a video of a basketball player who went up for a slam dunk over somebody who was trying to guard him. And I mean it was a powerful dunk. It was a massive slam dunk over somebody. Very embarrassing for the guy that he dunked on. Yeah. And the guy that he dunked on actually fell to the ground. And rather than walking over to help him up and being kind and compassionate and generous and graceful in the fact that he just dunked on him, he stepped over him. Mm. And there was a referee standing there. Yeah. And what did the referee do? I'm sure he <laughs> He teed him up big time, buddy. <laughs> teed him up big time. And so I, that picture, if I could create memes – that picture is how I've seen so many Christians respond. Yeah. You know, it's a, a huge win for many in the faith community who have prayed for this. And there are people who are affected differently, whether you agree with them or not, they're just affected differently than we are. But there's Christians who are showboating and they're stepping over um, those who were on the other side. And I just wonder if God's up there going, Okay, yeah, guys, that's not that's not the reaction you should have. Yeah, um, yeah. I think we go back to First Corinthians thirteen. We can be right about everything, and you know, even in our families and our churches, or even even in this situation. But if we don't have love mm-hmm. while we're doing it, it it doesn't profit anything. Right. We're just it's just like a gong show. Yeah, clanging cymbals mm-hmm. and. And we want people to listen to the message of the gospel because, uh, you know, as I said Sunday, um, rulings from the Supreme Court, the lawmakers, legislation, none of that is going to change the hearts of men and women in America. Right. It's the message of the gospel. And so many Christians have caused... Um, those who are on the other side of any issue, politically, socially, morally, whatever, to not listen to them due to the way that we act or react to certain things like that. And uh, I just share again Colossians 4, where Paul just said, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, writing from a prison cell, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, or you could even say, to those who are opposed to your view, that see things differently than you, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how, to, how you ought to answer each person. Sounds like a conversation. Yeah. Sounds like a conversation. Listening to the stories, listening to the heart behind um, you know, people's emotions and the way they feel about things, but... Grace, see your speech seasoned with salt and being very graceful toward mm-hmm. other people. Yep. So, yeah. Any thoughts on that? Others? You know, uh, you think of it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we're seasoned with salt and we do things in love and we explain our position from a position of love, not a position from being right and trying to win an argument, but a position of love and really caring for an individual, I yeah. think it goes a long way. And if we as Christians can, you know, 
lock arms with other Christians, even Christians that don't see eye to eye with us on certain things, we can lock arms for the sake of the gospel and, uh, you know, do all things um, in love. And that's how people know that we're followers of Jesus, by the way that we have love for one another. So, hey, listen, everybody, thanks for listening once again this week to our post-sermon podcast. Hey, I teased out that next week Jacob Sebus would be on here because we're starting our brand new series. It's called Pastor's Choice. You don't want to miss it. Jacob will be kicking that off for us this coming Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11. So if you have no church home or yeah, would like to be here or tune in online, we'd love to have you. But once again, thanks for listening in. Saul? Hey. Thanks for having me. Uh, if we had more time, I could tell you mistake and sin stories of Jacob, but we, we're out of time. <laughs> we're out so. of time, so we'll save it for another time. <laughs> Sounds great. All right. <laughs>